Welcome to our podcast. I'm David Kramer coming to you from Northern California. And I'm Dave Blasco from Arizona. Dave and I have been friends since the early 80s when we were college roommates. And we finally found a medium to share our wisdom with the world or at least our opinions. So between us, we have two engineering degrees, two master's degree, an economics degree, over six years of work experience, and we have voted between us in something like 643 presidential elections. <laughs> That's just an estimate. Yeah, I'm not that old. And the intent of making this podcast together is to try to help each other and hopefully you, the listener, save some money. But today we're going to deviate from that script a bit, Mr. Kramer, and we're going to talk about the Democratic primary debates in June 2019, for those of you who are listening to this in the, the distant future. And I know you, I'm just hoping you're not going to ask me too detailed questions because you, you usually ask me questions and I think at best I get 25% right. But I'm prepared and I have dual monitors up with information about the debates and polling, so I may have a shot at getting some of the answers right. Well, the good news is I do have a lot of questions, but um, they are mostly opinion questions. So while I would consider you right if you agree with me, that's not actually how opinions work as polarized as this country apparently is. Uh, but I hope it makes for a lively conversation. And uh, for our listeners who are tuning in for our normal playful banter about uh, cheapness and home economics, uh, feel free to skip it if you are not enjoying the uh, ridiculous, lighthearted banter about the most important election in the country. All right, so... Four hours of debates. It was a lot to watch. I will say that I paid attention for most of it. Um, I had to uh, record it because uh, I had to drive my kids around, but I, I, I did manage to watch, I think, all of both debates um, and uh, didn't have anybody spoil them for me. So uh, I think we should declare winners and losers. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was a lot more energized, honestly, after the first debate. I thought that was very civil, and I actually enjoyed it. And I wish we could have found the time to do a podcast in between the debates. Uh, so, well, one, it would be less confusing. It is just so hard to keep track. You know, um, I do like politics, but I will say I think by sight I can name maybe 75% of the candidates. There's a couple candidates where I have trouble with the visual. Okay, who is that kind of thing? Because there are 20 candidates, 10 on each day, and there's a few candidates that did not make the debate stage. Uh, yes, and a couple that was very surprising that they did make it. Uh, I was glad I recorded it because I had to skip back several times to um, uh, the spot where they put the candidate's name under their picture because I couldn't remember who they all were. That's a lot of people to keep track of. I can't remember. I can't remember an election where we've had this many folks in primaries. Yeah, yeah. So my thought on this, Dave, was uh, if we need to, we could break this into two casts so we keep it uh, to a reasonable length, uh, but there might not be enough content. So let's start with debate night one, and if we are still going 20, 25 minutes in, we'll break it off there and start fresh with debate night number two. Does that work for you? Well, it works for me. All right. So... Um, 
I didn't have a clear vision of how we do this, but when I suggested it to you, you said, oh, great, we can do superlatives, like who has the best wave? And I thought, ah, that's perfect. There's our theme. <laughs> so as I made my notes, I uh, came up with superlatives like we had back in high school, you know, who's smartest, most likely to succeed. Some I've told you this, but to give you an idea what kind of high school I went to, we had a superlative for best car. Best car. I like that. Yeah, the guy won in my class had a late 60s Jaguar XKE, which was a beautiful car. Wow, that's pretty fancy, I think. Uh, I don't know if we had best car in my high school. It would probably be somebody who had a GTO would probably have been the best car. Yeah, the year before, it was a guy with a either Trans Am or a Formula Firebird. These were the days of uh, uh, Smokey and the Bandit. You got it. You got it. But I anyway, do, I do like that fake wave. Though I'll just say that that little wave at the front where they start that fake wave, where you're pointing to some fake person in the audience. I think Bill Clinton was the master of that, with uh, the kind of point and then the thumbs up kind of thing to just no particular person in general. Oh, I always assumed there was a person. He was a very charming person. Is the impression I had. People who met him were smitten with him. I, he is. Uh, uh, agree, agree. I don't, and he may have been pointing to somebody. I just think the folks do it just because it looks cool. And I heard some commentators making mention of that. I don't, I think most of them are not really pointing to any person in general. They're just doing that to look cool. Yeah. But Ronald Reagan also supposedly was incredibly magnetic in person. And uh, George W. Bush, um, I don't think we've had a uh, uh, unpleasant president since Richard Nixon. And uh, maybe that's one of the things we should look at. Who do we think is the most likely to be charming as a candidate? Interesting. I think certainly there were a lot of charming folks up there on the stage. Um, I'm looking through my list here because I, I got to look to see, okay, who was on debate night one and debate night two? And I'm just going down the list uh, looking at words spoken. I, I think Cory Booker seems to be pretty engaging. I think people that I talk to seem to think that he's a pretty nice guy and charming kind of guy. I think he came off really well in the debates. Uh, I knew who he was. I was impressed with him as a mayor. Um but I thought he was a little over his skis, perhaps. Uh, but he came across really well. Um, yeah. Well, let me let me ask your opinion on some of the superlatives I wrote down. And if you think of one, you come back with it. So, night one, who was the oldest candidate on the stage? The oldest candidate on the stage, night one. I'm going down through my list, so I'm using my cheat sheet here. I believe Elizabeth Warren was the oldest. That's what I wrote down. So she appeared to be the oldest. Um, so, you know, I'm not 36 years old either, but I think it's a little ridiculous for a senior citizen to try on try and take on a job that requires this much energy. It's an interesting topic. I have a few thoughts on that. So I'll, I'll say this. Elizabeth Warren looks very young for her age. She looks 10 to 15 years younger than she actually is. Then and she must be 80. I think she's I think it, she's in the, her early 70s, though. I'm not mistaken. I, um, I thought she was 69, honestly. Okay. So oh, late, late 60s, if you will. Fair enough. I don't know how old she is, but she looks good for her age so she's doing something well um but to your point you know they asked uh, i remember uh 
I'm, I'm going to debate night too. They asked Bernie about that. And he, frankly, he came back with the issue of ageism and he felt that, um, you know, the best candidate should win. It, it is interesting. It is a, it is a job that requires a lot of stamina. You go for long days. And I felt that Bernie and Joe Biden looked kind of old up there and they they would be some, what some of our oldest candidates ever, I think. Um, they would be, but let's save that for the debate night two discussion. I, I do have some okay. strong feelings on that. So who, so I think, do we think Elizabeth Warren was the oldest candidate on, on debate night one? I definitely, that was my impression. She did. She came across, I think she also did really well. Um, possibly by, you know, there, boy, there is a big advantage by being the person sitting in the middle and getting the first question asked of you. I think that's why Donald Trump won, to be honest with you. Hmm. I mean, I, I'll t- say this about Elizabeth Warren. She's super smart, and she she knows her stuff backwards and forwards, and she comes off as pretty sharp, and she has opinion about a lot of things. Um, she seems pretty articulate as well. All right, here's my next question. Whether you like her politics or not. I think she is very smart, um, and ostensibly she is uh probably pretty well qualified for the job i think we'd do fine if she won um i yeah all right so who do you think was the reddest candidate on the stage reddest in terms of uh, color oh in terms of color yeah, I was impressed that uh, Gabbard, uh, what's, what's her first name? Tulsi Gabbard? Tulsi Gabbard, uh-huh. Wore a bright red jacket, which is associated with Republicans, but certainly made her pop on the TV screen. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm visualizing that. Yeah, I think she had the bright, it was a bright red uh, jacket. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, which is, uh, there's a lot of disadvantages uh, that women have in uh, things like this because they're set up for men. Uh, for instance, uh, they were all standing. So the bigger, taller people stood out more, but all the men had to wear blue suits. They all wore, it looked like they went to the same tailor and the women had the advantage of picking a different color. So you could see them more. Interesting. Yeah. There, there are some tall candidates. De Blasio is a, I don't know how tall he is. He's like six, five ish, or maybe he's even taller than that. He's a tall guy. Yeah, I had that as one of my superlatives. Who was the tallest on the stage? And it's hard to tell when there's 10 of them spread out over 45 feet. And I didn't think it was de Blasio, actually. I thought it was, uh, um, what's his name? Governor Inslee. Inslee, I, I think you're right. De Blasio is a tall guy. And I believe you're right. Inslee is even taller. So there's very, we had some very tall candidates. Yeah, which makes it tough on the Amy Klobuchar's of the world because uh, they look, diminutive and i think people perhaps uh, unconsciously but i think some consciously think huh you're gonna go try and stare down um uh uh what's uh, uh, uh vladimir putin mm-hmm. when you're this small of course putin's a lot smaller than most people he he is and when i saw him on tv yesterday it was pretty amazing because trump is i want to say five six inches taller and probably has a hundred pounds on him yep though if there was a knife fight, I would bet on Putin. Oh yeah, he's a uh, what judo or karate expert. He 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 would take out President Trump. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Putin in his younger days killed people with his own hands, but I could be wrong. Wouldn't well, I? Wouldn't doubt that at all. Yeah, and if you're gonna be an autocrat, that's probably a good vibe to throw off. 
It, it probably is for running that country. Which brings me to another one. I have heard... Well, let's go back to the red thing. Is If you recall, there are some people who say Richard Nixon lost to John F. Kennedy specifically because of the televised debates, and he picked the wrong color suit, so you couldn't see him against the curtain, and he's not very good-looking. So this is why I think it's worthwhile to do this completely and totally superficial analysis of these debates. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> I did have who had the bluest suit, but I think it was a uh, seven-way tie amongst all the male candidates. I, I I think you're right. I didn't really pay attention to that, but they look, all pretty much look like the same shade. But uh, I think Amy uh, Klobuchar also wore a blue suit, and I think that might have been a mistake. Oh, you think that she, if she wore a different color, it'd pop a little bit? Yeah, I think Warren's selection of a purple outfit was clever, subtly hinting to people that if she had to, even though she's very, very far to the left, that if she had to, she could work with uh, people on the other side of the aisle. Ah, I like that idea. Interesting. So purple is, I can work on both sides of the aisle, color. (laughs) Yeah, it it took me many years to figure out which was the red state and which was the blue state. (laughs) Oh my goodness sakes. Uh, here's a unique who did you think was the least Native American looking candidate on stage (laughs) the least Native American all right that's kind of an unfair shot at uh, blue haired uh, (laughs) blonde haired blue eyed um, Elizabeth Warren oh gotcha because of the the issue around whether she has Native American heritage or not right yeah, there were a lot of blue eyes on that stage, including uh, the only African-American candidate on stage. Uh, Cory Booker has kind of piercing blue eyes. He does. You know, interesting. I did not notice that, but my wife picked up on that and made that comment that um, the high proportion of people that blue eyes, which is a trait that is, uh, what do you call the trait where it's not common? It's a uh, genetic, it would be the uh, the not dominant trait. Recessive, I think, is what Re- you're looking for. Rec- I think that's the term I'm looking for because blue eyes or, or light eyes like that are uncommon. It's more common to have brown eyes. Yeah, so it was way more than half, and I think the population runs more like a quarter. Yeah, I think you're right, because you have to have the two genes have to come together to have light eyes. Yeah, and that's a quarter amongst Caucasians, I think. And uh, since we finally have some candidates of color, it should be even less, but it was way more than half on that stage. Yeah, in- interesting that you picked up on that as well. I did not pick up on that, but uh, my wife picked up on that and, and uh, made that comment as well. Sorry about the noise in the background. I'm in the uh, Studio B here to accommodate my son's uh, uh, gaming habit. Uh, so there's construction going on and sirens going by, but hey, that's part of life in America. We'll get through it. All right, so I heard another expression of, and this was applied more to the uh, the, the debates between the Republican and the Democrat, but that if you go back in history and pick who would be most likely to win in a knife fight, as we referred to, that's the person who's going to win the election. So out of these 10 candidates, who do you think would be most likely to win in a knife fight? Hmm, I'm I'm thinking because it's not always the biggest guy. Sometimes it's the person that has the most training. Um, I, I'm kind of leaning towards Tulsi because she was in the military, right? 
Yeah, that was the first. Oh, well, I, I, I was scanning for that. As a, she was one of the three I put as possibly the knife fight winner. And she had to go through hand-to-hand combat training. I know that's a fact because she was in the U.S. military. So I'm going to go with Tulsi. Yeah, and she had pretty, she was pretty intense. Uh, and I think to win in a knife fight, you got to be pretty focused. Uh, yeah, I had the runners-up, uh, Governor Inslee, who's is it Jay Inslee? He uh, he's he's a big guy, uh, and size does help. It would take a while for him to bleed out, I think. Uh, <laughs> but the third person I put was um, uh, uh, Senator Booker. He's also a big guy, and he's got that. He looks very fit. Yeah, he looks athletic. I want to. I thought maybe he's done something athletic, but I don't know his background as much. But he he does look like he's in shape, doesn't he? Yeah, and uh, I just in case a fight broke out, I think that would be good to have the president on all the cameras winning. He's got to be tough because he's from Newark, right? You got to be tough to grow up in Newark. Newark's a pretty tough spot. Uh, my wife went to medical school in Newark, and that she graduated was there in the late '80s. Graduated in '90, and they were still had burnt out homes from the riots that started in the late '60s, 30 years before when they built the medical school. It was a creepy place. Interesting. Well, Corey, I don't know if you remember, he said that he hears gunshots. He lives somewhere in Newark. He was the mayor there at one point but he still says he hears gunshots yeah and newark is literally in the shadow of manhattan you know million dollar condos you can see from the streets and it's uh, I, I hear it's better than it was last time i was there but still it's pretty pretty rough spot all right so we think we think Corey, tulsi and jay Inslee would would do best in a knife fight Right. So who do you think was the most pro-business candidate? On night one. Night I, one. I think the most pro-business candidate, I'm going to go with uh, Jay Inslee. Interesting choice. He's his Inslee's is kind of a one-issue candidate, right? I am. He's anti-global warming. Right. Huh. What was your choice? I put uh, Delaney, and I can't remember his first name. Is he a, a John Delaney? He's a congressman from Ohio. Is that what he was? Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm going to do a quick look up on it, but his name is John Delaney. Yeah, he didn't do very well in this debate. If I had to pick one or two losers from night one, he would be one of them. Actually, I just looked him up. Okay, now it's coming back to me. He is a, was a businessman and a politician. He was a state representative from Maryland. So he was a Maryland Congressional 6th District from 2013 to 2019. Oh, so he's my homeboy, but um, I still wasn't impressed. Now that you mention it, and that's where I was getting a bit confused just trying to remember all the candidates because some of the... Candidates that have lower rankings, I don't know as well. I'm going to change my vote. And yes, he was very much pro-business because he's a business guy. And he did make some points around what I would consider you know, pro-business kind of uh, comments. Yeah, and they fell kind of flat in that crowd. Um, yeah, he was the one all the way stage left on the right of the screen as we're looking at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I also voted him for uh, worst hair. Um, <laughs> hey, that's unfair. I think he's losing hair, right? Well, 
I have for best hair, I'm nominating uh, Cory Booker. Is that like hairism against John Delaney because he, he's going bald on the top? Uh, yes, and then not taking control of it. Cory Booker has also probably had a receding hairline, but uh, addressed it like an executive should. He made a decision and took care of the problem. And Just shaved it, it great. off. <laughs> shaved it all off. Another advantage that men have. Oh, my goodness sake. So you don't like the fact that John's just kind of letting his receding hairline go when he has hair on the sides, and he's just cutting it short crop. So you're just thinking, shave it off. Shave it off. Go for the Jean-Luc Picard, um, uh, Michael Jordan. Those guys uh, are breaking ground. So us uh, middle-aged guys with receding hairline don't have to be victims. Gotcha. All right. So Corey Corey took charge and made an executive decision, and John just can't go there yet. Right. Gotcha. All right, here's another category, and this is uh, my uh, aspiring to be a old-school East Coast elite person signaling to each other, who do you think tied their tie the best? Oh, my goodness sakes. See, I was looking for this, and that's hard to pay attention to. So without <laughs> it having in front of you, I don't think you'll even be able to form an opinion of this. I'm going to say I have no idea, but I've got the candidates in front of me. I'm going to take a I'm going to take a shot at it, and I'm going to say Bill De Blasio. No, he had a kind of standard four in hand, kind of lazy knot. Uh, the it was probably Delaney, and uh, kind of a runner up though. With uh, Inslee also had a good shirt and tie. Hmm. Suit seemed to fit well, but I think Delaney won that one. So he's signaling to uh, the. Uh, older white college educated guys that hey I should be here I think the other guys might intentionally be doing it wrong to try and signal to the new casual people like yeah I have to wear a tie but I don't really know how because I'm cool <laughs> I'm not sure how to do it now that I pick, pull up a picture of, of John Delaney hit, uh, in his uh, official photograph he does have a nicely tied tie it's a thing of beauty see that's the thing if you're going to do it you might as well do it right so what do you uh, call that tie where you do it you do it once on both sides, you get the big knot at the top. What's that called? A uh, half Windsor. And yeah. you can do a full Windsor where you go around it one more time. That gives you the, a big knot. But uh, sometimes it doesn't work with a, a thin tie. So half Windsor is probably the most common gotcha. balanced one. So you think he's doing a half Windsor or you think he's doing a full Windsor? I think it's a half Windsor. Um, he does have a good looking tie. Yeah. So, you know, got to win some points back somewhere there's probably well anyway you think he's uh, signaling to signaling to business people um capitalists that he's their guy yeah i'm a grown-up gotcha all right who do you think was the most union there who is most who was dying desperately to appeal to union voters okay i want to say tim ryan because he's from ohio and he wants to appeal to those kind of voters those are his people yeah, he was up there. I th- I thought it was Jay Inslee. He was pretty blatant about talking about union appeal. And who did you think? <laughs> who do you think was the most Hillary of those candidates? Let me give the background of this. I think the Democrats blew it in the last election and if they picked any reasonable candidate besides Hillary Clinton who had so much baggage and was so uncharming sorry if I offended anybody there that pretty much anybody else could have won that election against a Donald Trump so I think being Hillary like 
while you're running for Senate is probably helpful, but in this stage is unhelpful. I'm going to guess, well, I almost went to a, a debate night two candidate and caught myself. So I'm going to say, I'm going to pick a, I'm going to pick a lady, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to pick, be a lady. I'm going to say, I'm going to say interesting. I'm going to I'm going to say Amy Klobuchar. That's what I had, too. She seemed very reasonable and very smart. And I think Hillary lost by being very reasonable and very smart. Interesting. I, th- I, was, in, I was impressed. Um, I don't know a lot about Amy. I've seen her interviewed on TV a few times. I thought she did, a, came, did well and came across. She's more charming than I thought she was before, which is important because people look at those types of things. So I... She she impressed me by being a little bit more personable and charming than I thought she was based on past interviews. Yeah, and as we're talking, she might be the best choice because there was a race to the left here. Everybody was more pro-abortion, more uh, anti-insurance, more pro-union than the next guy, which I think is going to be tough when you're trying to win over that middle third that you need to win the election. Well, it's always the issue of the primaries because you're, you're going to go to your base so the Democrats go left and the Republicans go right. And then that has issues for that broader middle, if you will, right, after both sides are said and done. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a, an interesting election. Oh, here's one. Who did you think was the wonkiest, the most technical legislative type person up on there? Well, my, if I if you gave me two seconds to answer, I always probably go with Elizabeth Warren because she's a, a school teacher, you know, former college professor, if you will. Um, I I'm gonna probably go with Elizabeth Warren, but I just in general from her background, but I don't think in the debate she was that wonky. I, I don't. No one stood out in my mind. Who are you thinking of? Well, I thought Julian Castro had a breakout night and was doing really well until he started focusing on line 1326 of law 1422, and it kind of lost me. Okay, I remember, now that you mentioned that, I remember that now. We're starting to quote chapter and verse from uh, U.S. laws, right, in the Constitution? (laughs) Yeah. So I, I think he did well by picking on Beto, and uh, I think he he had kind of a breakout night and scored points at Beto's expense. Texas um, cage match, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like only one of us can get those uh, Spanish speaking uh, voters, and so I'm going to go after you. Um, Texas is big, but it's not big enough for the two of us, right? <laughs> <laughs> There was a pretty impressive display of Spanish speaking. Uh, I wrote down that Beto was the best Spanish, but then Booker and Julian jumped in and like, well, my Spanish isn't really good enough to judge whether they're speaking it correctly or not. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. They had Booker, Beto, and Castro um, uh, had a pretty good display of a grasp of the Spanish language. All right, so we're at 27 minutes, so I think we should wrap this up. So I'm going to ask your opinion. Name two winners and two losers. I think in uh, round one, I think that Julian Castro really raised his profile. Whether it's enough to you know continue on three or four months, I don't know. I thought Elizabeth Warren did a did a pretty good job. Comes off as pretty articulate and pretty smart on the. Um, on the on the loser side, 
you know, Tim Ryan, I think, makes some really good points. I don't think he comes off as articulate as some of the other candidates, but I think he makes some good points in the sense of we really have to appeal. If the Democrats want to win, they have to appeal to those heartland voters in the Midwest, if you will. Uh, I think he just has to work a little bit on his polish, if you will, there. So that was kind of my takeaway. Yeah, I didn't have this in my notes, but compared with night two, I thought everybody did a pretty good job up there. Each person was a reasonable candidate. But if I'm picking winners and losers, which I am, because that's what I'm here for, uh, I thought Cory Booker did really well. Um, If you check the stats, he had the most speaking time of anybody. And while it's a tie for second, I think think Warren did really well by keeping her head down, making some good points, and looking presidential. Um, I, th- I thought she, I think it worked out well for her being there on the second night. Um, losers, like I said, was uh, Delaney. I don't didn't think came off well, and probably the other one is uh, is Beto O'Rourke. I think I think people picked on him a little bit, and that he is stuck with the mantle of being a standard white guy, uh, old school, and let's pick on him. And um, he didn't seem terribly well prepared for that. Yeah, I think, uh, now that you mentioned, I think he stumbled a bit at the beginning, maybe recomposed himself later. He talked a lot. I'm looking at the same, I think, graph you're looking at for words spoken. So I think he was number two on debate night one where Cory Booker was number one. So he got got a lot of words in. Yeah, that's true. All right, Dave. So, uh, listeners, we are going to cut it off here. We're going to f- uh, we're going to record another one about night two. If you have any uh, complaints or want to comment, uh, please send, send it to your congressman. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> please vote. Uh, but feel free to send us your comments and complaints at uh, Dave Squared Podcast at Gmail dot com. Uh, all right, this is fun. I will. I'll. Uh, you and I will be back together, but um, uh, we're ending it here, Dave. Thanks. All right, take care. Bye, all.